Alright guys, welcome to the third episode of Below the Bar. In this episode, expect to find out why I think CrossFit is a cult, how their CEO got cancelled, and what we think about the transgender athlete debate. Let's get into it. And we're back. Back in. This week's topic is a lot more light-hearted than the last two have been. Well, you say that. Well, well true. You've... Eddie's, Eddie's here to bring the negativity <laughs> today. You vastly underestimated <laughs> how much I fucking loathe CrossFit. Yeah, well, there you go. There's the um, title of the podcast, obviously, as you probably know. Um, CrossFit is today's episode. We're going to go through Helmet of the Week. We've only got one this week. Eddie was so negative about the actual subject matter of the podcast that he decided not to have a Helmet of the Week to compound his negativity. Yeah, I've mixed things up. I've, I've negated the Helmet of the Week, but we've gained an extra reason to be cheerful. So I'm hoping to double down on my positivity right at the end. I like it. Okay. So I'll go straight into my Helmet of the Week, then we can get into the meat of the topic. So, Leah Thomas, are you familiar with this? No? Okay. So she's a trans swimmer. I say she. Depends how you look at it. She's, I think, pre-op when she did this race. Right. So she's got testosterone coursing through her fucking veins, right? Yeah. She was like a collegiate swimmer, and then she went to Worlds, I think, afterwards. But on the qualifier, she beat the rest of the women's field by 50 seconds. Right. <laughs> in a 1,500 meter swim. Can we, can we cover some... Yeah, cover some, some ground. Can we cover some admin? Yeah. <clears throat> What's her nationality? American. What was she known as before oh, Leah? What's her name? Think, Leah Thomas. I think it was a male swimmer. Right. Yeah. I think she was a swimmer, realised probably wasn't gonna make it, transitioned, competed in the female field and absolutely smashed it. You see him on, on the podium and she like dwarfs the woman women by like two mm. feet. It's insane. I'm not an expert in this. No, neither am I. And I'm not an expert in most of the things we <laughs> talk about on this podcast, but there you go. This is a massive problem for international athletics. Well, for women in sport, really. Yeah. Because imagine, right, you're a woman in that sphere and you've grafted your entire fucking life to get little seconds off your splits on 1,500 metre swim. And you think, I'm, I'm, I'm king here, I'm just going to smash this. And then someone comes, up, comes along, for their entire life, they've been a man. So they've just had testosterone coursing through their veins. That's obviously helped their performance in their training. They're then... Transition having all that base built as a man and just absolutely blow you out of the water because obviously, yeah. But as far as I'm aware, like Olympic committees and like athletic confederations and stuff aren't really nailing down on it, so which is why this is still allowed to happen. The Olympic Committee has just banned this happening, so trans athletes now can't compete in. Right, surely you must have to, like, but surely you need register, to register, like. A certain like level of testosterone or something, yeah, to to compete as a female competitor. Well, that wasn't the case until very recently, <clears throat> which is mental. The fuck's all that about? Yeah, so you can literally got some fucking up. bird rocking up for the butterfly with a full grown beard. Yeah. Well, this happened in the weightlifting. There's a there's another case where, again, weightlifting is hugely based off of how much testosterone you have, and this woman, who's now a woman and wasn't a woman before when she trained for ages, did the clean jerk and the snatch like. 20 kilos ahead, 40 kilos ahead of the of the nearest woman. And it's like, how is this ever going to be fair? And so the Olympic Federation have now banned this, but at grassroots levels, it's still it's still allowed. And obviously, just, you've got two camps, haven't you, but this arguing is, about this. 
for me, this just makes no sense because the whole idea of sport and the whole purpose of sport is that it has very set parameters yeah. and rules. It's finite games. So this just seems like a massive elephant in the room that no one really wants to acknowledge. Well, if you acknowledge it, you become transphobic. In, exactly. In, in a lot of people's eyes, don't you? So yeah. that's where it can become a little bit grey. Um, but, but this comes back to what we were talking about with obesity and the masculinity crisis. Yeah. If you refuse to engage in the debate... If anything, you're just as bad. It worsens it, doesn't because it? Because it worsens it. Yeah, that's exactly what they were saying in Black Lives Matter movement, wasn't it? Where if you were, if you're not saying anything, you're part. Of yeah, the problem, exactly. Aren't you? Yeah, because you're not. Like we all up. need an input. Yeah. If we're going to come to, you know, a fair compromise or like a solution, mm. people need to have an opinion on it. Yeah, exactly. Be, be it good or bad. This is crazy, though. I mean, this the fact that this can happen at such a high level very recently is just insane and you yeah. can see I'll, I'll um, send you the video afterwards it's crazy she literally like laps everyone <laughs> it's crazy so like you said that's just not fair on the other competitors no. is it Cause well, like, it's the, so hard for like yeah. that long and then like, someone we, else just comes on we graft and we're like nowhere near professional athletes so you imagine like the, the, the hours and the time and the dedication oh, that yeah. put in just to have their <laughs> fucking hopes and dreams shat all over by someone who just test course into a vein. Yeah, and and uh, the argument is, have they just, you know, not performed in the male sphere and then transitioned mm. over, and now they're going to be smashing it in the in the in the female end of things? But it's yeah. it's mad. And you see, like you see this with everything. You can't even argue that, that there's any fair play going on because you, you see it in, when you watch women's football compared to men's football, there's not not even a comparison in terms of like the speed of the game, the strength. Mm the power of the shots, that kind of stuff. There's not a comparison. So to put like a, a, a male centre forward in, you know, the w- England women's team, it yeah, just wouldn't make you any sense. You could in the women's super league. Yeah, Because he'd probably have 80 goals instead of 40. <laughs> and the rest. Yeah, so that's that's mine for this week. Love um, that. Yeah, I mean, so obviously trans athletes should be able to compete, but it's, it's the failing is at like the committee level. Yeah. It's the organising bodies that have failed to actually set parameters, which means that this grey area can exist. And then people can exploit it. people can exploit it. this is the problem, because how do you deal with it? You either have a complete separate-ish, separate like um, group where trans athletes compete against trans athletes. But I don't think that's the solution either, because then you just, you're basically isolating trans athletes. Like, no, exactly, and all you say, well, trans athletes can't compete, which obviously isn't isn't good. Exactly, either. you can't. But so, ultimately, you're never so going to you're issue. never going to please anyone. So you're going to have to set some boundaries. Yeah. Be it, I don't know, hormonal. I think that's probably the route you go down. Potentially, but I mean, that could probably be fiddled, and you know, all that kind of stuff. But well, the, the doping's rife. Yeah, exactly. Professional sport, anyway. Anyway, as we're going to get into. Um, but yeah, it's it's cra- it's crazy that 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 issue, and and it is rife within. Uh, certainly grassroots level sports and sports like you know swimming and athletics and weightlifting where testosterone and the ability to physically perform is paramount it's going to be even more rife because in something that's like skill based it's a little bit less isn't it yeah yeah. of an issue right well that's helmet of the week out of the way let's get into the meat and potatoes of the podcast so I've outlined the basic structure but we may brief as per usual I'm sure we will I'm sure we will what is CrossFit? Well, hold on. To set some 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 admin points in place, <laughs> right? From for, for set some biases. Let's set some biases. All right, okay. Okay. So, my training background is that I've 
done CrossFit for probably three, four years, pretty consistently. That was why why I trained mainly. You dabbled in it once, once or twice. I see. I don't want to tarnish myself with the CrossFit brush. I wouldn't even go yeah. that far. There you go. So yeah, Eddie's not a fan, essentially, as, as you might gather from the next few hours. Um, but yeah, just to set some some biases in place and just to sit, you know, we're kind of well placed because I've trained it and am a level one CrossFit coach. So I know what I'm talking about when it comes to this. And you paid a fortune for it. We'll get, we'll on, to get on to that. Uh, so I like to think of CrossFit as the Marmite of the fitness industry. Yeah. You either love it or you hate it. Yeah. And I think we've got that dynamic to that. I'm not, I'm not going to go as far as say as you love it, Yeah. but you're more pro-CrossFit. But I'm always in the centre of things. This is what this, is what this podcast aims to be. Well, I'm going to try and be central, <laughs> which is why I've outsourced my criticism to a blog. <laughs> okay, so cool. it reflects... Hugely biased. It, <laughs> so it reflects less poorly on my own biases. Yes, okay. So what is CrossFit? Well, do you want to have a pop uh, articulating a definition because I've got one. Well, do we, are we are we articulating the definition of the training method of CrossFit, or because there's there's a few different bits that get it's quite messy. Like there's yeah, right. there's so the business should, side of it, yeah. there's the training, you know. So for any for someone that lives under a rock like Patrick Starfish, CrossFit is both a company and a sport and a training method. So it's kind of three. No, but the things. training method comes under this. It's technically it's a sport in the same that like powerlifting is a training method, but it's a sport. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but, and there's so like grassroots what... and you know, intermediate and pro obviously yeah. level. So but it yeah, does get so. confusing. It's also a cult, but we'll get on to that. It is. I, I I'd agree with that. To be fair. So do you want to have a pop, or should I just should I just give the people what they want? So I know that the training method is defined as functional movements executed at high intensity basically high, high, high varied functional movements executed at high intensity that's what CrossFit is so if you were to take a CrossFit workout you would see that there are functional movements in inverted commas because they're not really defined they're varied all the time which is again a point of contention and they're executed at high intensity another point of contention because we're not going to be building any significant aerobic base if we're always going super intense as we know so the definition that I've got is a high-intensity fitness program incorporating elements from several sports and types of exercise. Okay. So it's trying to do a lot and not actually fulfilling many of these promises is what I would take from that. <laughs> yeah. So Jack, Jack of all trades, yeah. master of none. Yeah. The one caveat I have to that is that it does make your training more interesting in that regard. Cause it, so it depends what, you, what you're looking for because the ability to train multiple you know, sports, like Olympic lifting, gymnastics, aerobic conditioning, whatever, it means that there's always something to get better at. Like, if, you, if you're if you going to double down on your strength, then your body weight stuff's going to suffer and your cardio might suffer. So you're always going to have to pick something up. So it keeps everything quite interesting. So you're, ne- you're never going to get too, I guess that could be a drawback as well, you're never going to get too good at one thing. Well, I would say. Save some of your positivity because you're going to have to defend this case in a minute. That's okay. I can do that. <laughs> so I'm the prosecutor. He's the defendant. Uh, in fact, what we'll do is we'll... To, we both share the idea that CrossFit's time is on its way out somewhat. Yeah. Yeah, I think it is suffering a little bit of that. It's had a lot of changing hands, hasn't it? Yeah, in so, a business sense, from CEO point of view so for a while. It, well, we'll outline the story of CrossFit now briefly, yeah. just so people know where we stand. Okay. So it was founded in 2000 mm-hmm. by Greg Glassman and his ex-wife. The first CrossFit Games is what's kind of like 
most people. It's like the Olympics, on. right, for CrossFit? Yeah, for CrossFit. The first Games was in 2007, uh, and this year it will take place in August 23. I believe Glassman sold CrossFit in June 2020. Yeah, I don't know about sold. It was forced out. Yeah. And uh, who did he sell it to? Eric? Eric Rosa. Rosa, right, okay. Yeah, so that's basically the storyline of CrossFit as a business. Yeah, and effectively it's quite weird. Eric Rosa was owner of like a tech company and just a CrossFit enthusiast. I think that's pretty much what it was. And so he managed to yeah, invest highly enough to buy the business um, and he ran it for a few years. And I think, is he still CEO? According to the internet, but okay. make of that what you will. I think he is, but I don't know how well he's performing. Well, either way, whoever's in charge of CrossFit, they've got their work cut out. Yeah, I agree. But let's mark the rise of CrossFit before we get into the, the nitty gritty of the fall, <laughs> which I'm looking forward to. Yeah, I'm sure you are. So I've drafted a few points as to why I think CrossFit took off. Mm. You can riff and add to that mm. if you want. I love Should it. we go through it? Number one, I think we've already touched on this, it was unique. Okay. Yeah, there wasn't much like it in its time, I guess, in that 2000 to 2010 era. It tore up the blueprint for gym-based training. Yeah, if you look at what gym-based training was back then, it was very much the bro split. Um, It was, well, bodybuilding, powerlifting, strongman. Powerlifting and strongman weren't hugely popularised, I wouldn't have said. It was more the bodybuilding era, wasn't it, where... Well, probably in America. Post, kind of, yeah. Well, that's where CrossFit spawned, wasn't it? Um, So it's like, you know, bro splits, a chest... Back, legs. Back I guess kind of training was a bit more tribal as well. Yeah. You had your camps. Yeah. Like yeah. You had your method of training and you'd probably stick Stuck to, to it. that. And so Whereas to have something that's going to bring everything together yeah. and not focus on one specific, specific thing is, is probably going to tear up a few people's rule books. So that's one. Mm-hmm. Two, community. Massive. This feeds into the fact that we cross-pollinating. Yeah, I think this is huge. To be fair, and, and this will be, you know, this, you can see this in loads of group forms of group exercise, yeah. right? So you know, you've got Barry's boot camp in the UK and F forty five all over the world. Super successful, I think, because they're a class environment. And so, if you take that into like each class, will have maybe little clicks in there, in there, but you have mates right within the in the class. Yeah. If you're just going to the gym with no community and you just have to go in like we do and train by yourself, you've got to self motivate and to get to the gym it, you're held accountable by your community because they'll be like why weren't you at the fucking class at R5 last night because you'll be at the same classes m- most days typically so you'll get the same people and therefore those people are texting you be like oh you're coming to the class tonight it keeps you accountable you're seeing people and then you're getting a workout in as well so there's that community thing I think is a, is a massive one so you're, we, the community creates accountability camaraderie yeah shared sense of suffering yeah I agree. And we all, humans crave belonging. Yeah. So the fact that you've added that community component to what was ordinarily like an individual pursuit. Yeah. It was quite quite a clever marketing trick, really. True. It still is an individual pursuit for the most part because you're working out really by yourself, generally, unless you're doing a team workout. You're working out by yourself and trying to further your own fitness in, in that class. But you're doing it so everyone's doing the same things. So everyone will do the same work. So you got a shared sense of yeah. Stuff, everyone really. will do. Everyone's doing the same strength cycles. So you can compare and you can you know you can chat to people about the same things. So you've got a lot in common with someone in a CrossFit class, even if you haven't got anything in common with them outside of a CrossFit class. Well, people that do CrossFit haven't got anything going from that side of CrossFit. Anyway. That's why they do CrossFit. <laughs> that is their personality. 
You know, if they had for fr- the most part, if they had friends, they'd be in the pub. Uh... <laughs> Number three, superstars. Yeah. So this he- is... hear me out. This is sport, right? So this is I, I stole this from Eddie Hearn. So if you're listening, Eddie, <laughs> I owe you. This is the idea that to be commercially successful, a sport needs a poster boy mm. or a poster girl. You're in the same way that for the past ten years, boxing has had Anthony Joshua and football has had the Lionel Messi, Cristiano Ronaldo debate. You need athletes that people can hang the hang the hat on. Yeah, latch onto and yeah, particularly <coughs> if you're going to make it commercially viable for kids. Because yeah, it's role models. It's role models. Yeah. It's the superstars. It's the equivalent of like Superman and Batman. Yeah, so in CrossFit you had Rich Fronin in the early days who was winning all the fucking events and all the all the games, and then in more recent times you've now got Matt Fraser, who's just finished um, his sort of era of dominance, and then on the women's side, I guess Tia Claire Toomey is the is the one. Yeah. Um, but you so need, yeah, they they're the superstars that bring that because someone could look up at them. You know, like you say, the role models they exemplify hard work and all these values that people respect but it's not just people within the sport it's it's they almost need to transcend the sport to then attract new people into it yeah well that's the growth part isn't it yeah, yeah. but this is where I think that rugby I know you don't really watch rugby no. but this is where rugby union is currently failing yeah because if most people today in Britain were to name a rugby union player they'd still say Johnny Wilkinson <laughs> that's true yeah you're right because um, it doesn't have because doesn't rug- have people to latch latch no, because identity onto it the marketability of rugby has been so poorly mishandled yeah. that they haven't got those superstar athletes. But that's a, se- that's a yeah, separate, separate debate anyway. Separate but that, that's a, an example of a sport that is floundering when it could be flying. Yeah. It's a great sport as well. So, so that must be a massive point. There's three. And then number four, which we've already touched on, the CrossFit Games. Yeah. So this is... Tied into the superstar thing, isn't it? So yeah, so every sport needs a big competition, a flagship competition yeah. that people can turn up to. That you know, this is the Champions League final. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of the CrossFit, World Cup or yeah, whatever. Yeah, and um, and they do a good job of, to be fair, involving the wider community into that. So, don't if you're familiar with like the qualification process. So you've got the open um, at the start, which everyone can sign up to. You and me can sign up to it, pay twenty quid. And we can do the same workouts as the pros are doing, and essentially compete against them. So again, it gives that, you know, that level of identity with the pros. So then you do the same workouts. Whoever's the best out of that online competition moves on to the next stage, which is regional. So you'd have everyone like the top fifty in Europe or whatever from the first stage would then go through. You then do a separate in-person competition with the people in Europe. The top five of the people in Europe and in America and all the you know all the different regions top five of all those go to then the CrossFit Games which is the finals essentially and then you have like 50 men 50 women and they just go at it for a weekend has there ever been like a massive upset in CrossFit in terms of like how like a minnow could get really far in the FA Cup oh um, or are there really. certain barriers because like not not that you wouldn't it's like someone's not there that you wouldn't expect them to be there because it's kind of you know you can either do it or you can't it, it's not really because it's fitness right. it's not like a like a skill-based sport, it's a bit different, isn't it? Like football, anything can happen in a football match. But the fitter person on the day in CrossFit is going to win. Right, so the idea is that like, there's not really any upsets because if they're that good, you'd already know about them. Yeah, and the only upset that would be is potentially like a programming issue. So if, if like one of the events, for example, had poor programming, so maybe it skewed really heavily to strength, 
and away from aerobic capacity, then at the end of that competition, you could have a load of strong fuckers and people have no engine. And then yeah. that region could go to the games and they all be shit because they've got no fitness. I do, I do like the way that they choreograph the games as well. It is very much a spectacle. Yeah, it is. All, almost to the athlete's detriment. So the <laughs> That's the idea. <laughs> so the, the example that I'll use is that, say, one of the workouts is like they've got to do like a barbell base lift mm. and then they do a certain amount of reps and then they go and do some muscle-ups or whatever. Yeah. Instead of then returning to the same bar, there'll be another bar yeah, that's set for out ease. for them. So that's for ease of like spectating. So, you know, if you have, so it's, say e- got, it's easy to track who's where. Yeah, exactly. it turns say into you've a got like race. Thirty reps. Yeah, you are doing 10, 10, 10 rather at each bar rather than doing thirty on the one bar. So you're not like who the fuck's in front of who. So then you can see in in a very linear format. They'll typically put the leader of the heat or the leader in going into the heat in the middle. So the idea is that they will be the best in the heat. So they will be in front leading the charge from the yeah. middle essentially well I do like that Yeah, I think it's well choreographed I think the games are really well choreographed and have been I think in the past really well programmed to find the fittest athlete on that on that weekend I think quite balanced in, in my opinion that is your opinion it is have you got anything else to add that I haven't already mentioned because yeah. um, I think it massively popularised some really good things that are now my mainstay in the fitness industry. So pre-CrossFit, I would say, there was a couple of things that weren't the case that are now. So squat bench and deadlift weren't as as kind of mainstream as they as they are now. Everyone was like, say, bodybuilding is massive, so you're having like isolation exercises are all the rage, everyone's bicep curling, everyone's mm-hmm. doing tricep extensions, all that shit. So I don't think, because bodybuilders on, on mass, well, in the past, they do now a bit more, don't squat and don't deadlift because it gives you a big, a big chunky trunk that they don't want. They need that V shape, right? So that wasn't really the case. And it, like you're saying, if you're looking to your role models to see what you're going to be doing in the gym, if they're not squatting, benching, and deadlifting, they're just doing quad extensions and hack squats. Then you're not going to do do that either. And so to feed back to the grassroots of people in the gym, they weren't doing those good quality exercises either. CrossFit comes along, and in order to be Successful in CrossFit, you have to have a good squat, a good bench, and a good deadlift, pretty much. Maybe not bench, but overhead press, right? So compound movements, you have to be good at them, and you have to move well to be effective and to be good in CrossFit. And therefore, again, if you're looking at, back in the day, if you're looking at Rich Froning, he could squat a fucking shit ton of weight. And so if you were trying to emulate him, you would look to be good at the squat. And that, I think, is a positive thing. I think it's carried on throughout um, these last these last decade to now where everyone really knows the utility in those three movements that's one thing can I can I come interject in, there come in on that I disagree go on I think you've stolen the thunder of powerlifting and strongman and wrongly attributed it to CrossFit I don't think either I, of think, the, I don't think either of those things has nearly the popularity of CrossFit so can't can't be um, but you're in the CrossFit echo chamber no I disagree how many powerlifting gyms are there in the, in the US no. Yeah, but yeah, that's the US. You can't yeah, but... trust the US. You can buy an AR-15 at Walmart. <laughs> True. How many strongman specific gyms are there? None, pretty much. All right, okay, strongman's more niche, but I think that powerlifting has had a resurgence, and then the two may have overlapped, but I don't think you can just say that it's I don't think it's solely attributed, but I think CrossFit is hugely popular, or certainly has been in the last decade, and it's true that you need to be good in those movements to be good at CrossFit, and therefore there's that carryover of, I'm looking at my idle now in the sport 
I need to emulate and what can I do? I'm going to do what they're going to be good at. Yeah, no, I think I think there is something in that, but I also think that other sports countries. Oh yeah, I agree. The rise in the it pop- can't just be one. Yeah, thing. the the rise in the popularity of kind of more strength based training yeah. as opposed to a lot bodybuilding. Yeah, and I think to play into that a little bit as well, there was a lot of definitely in the kind of early two thousands to early teen early teens. There was a lot of working out to look a certain way. So. You know, people are working out just to get bigger arms or just to get bigger quads or whatever it may be. And you and I both know that's not as fulfilling as a performance goal is, I wouldn't I wouldn't say. No. So, you know, the more you work out for aesthetics, the more the deeper down this rabbit hole rabbit hole you go, you still wake up sometimes, don't like the way you look, and there's no real objective feedback to how well you're doing at that specific thing. CrossFit comes along and you all of a sudden you've got people judging their progress off 2k row times off deadlifts off cleans off like weights in the gym a super objective measure of how good you are at something yeah. if you're you're coming in eight weeks time and you can deadlift more than you could eight weeks ago you know you've improved if you for whatever reason haven't followed your diet to the t for that last eight weeks you might not have, you might not have lost the, the amount of body fat you want to lose but you might have taken a minute off your 2k time or you might have you know PR to lift or whatever it is and I think that's more rewarding as a as a training method um, than just training for aesthetics and I think CrossFit plays a huge huge part in that making people focus on their performance rather than their aesthetics could you not argue that the structure of CrossFit does actually make it harder to progressively overload though or lack of structure in a shit gym yeah I agree because like, if you were just doing CrossFit for the sake of CrossFit and you weren't doing classes or had a CrossFit trainer you could easily just go astray. Yeah, hundred percent. If you're just doing wads, for example, like metcons, then yeah, you just throw in together loads of random movements. You're doing them at high intensity. You'll probably get a little bit fitter and a little bit more mobile potentially, but you won't be getting any significant improvements in your strength or physique or whatever. But if you're at a good gym that follows cycles and a decent trainer that makes you move properly, then you're fine and you'll progress. Um, Final one, go on. I've got because I feel like you will. We will cover these in my failings. Yeah, I think a lot of your counter arguments may be potentially. So you're just using up ammunition. That's if anything, right. that's fine. I can repurpose that. That, that, <laughs> that makes my case stronger. I can rebadge it. Um, yeah, the final one is around females, and I think women, again, looking at like the female athletes in the sport, they're like uncompromising. They're you know obviously really impressive in terms of athletic ability. They don't care about the way they look. They're not looking at getting a really small waist or a massive arse or whatever. Mm. And they're setting, I think, good female role models for women because they're working hard. They don't really care about what other people think or what other people say about them because there is that hate online of you look like a man or whatever it is. Mm. They, some, some of them do. They do. But, I mean, you don't, you don't, you don't have to look far to, to see that. And they don't really compromise their training methodology, obviously, for that. And that, I think, again, plays down into the grassroots where now women are looking at the the barbell for the first time in years and thinking, I'm going to go lift that rather than step on the fucking treadmill and just walk for half an hour. I think that is a huge part to play. Yeah, no, I'll give you that. I think there are a lot of good female role models in CrossFit, to be fair. Mm. More so than men, I would argue. Actually, I think they do this on purpose. If you go onto the CrossFit Open leaderboard, yeah, if you click the drop-down menu, or if you just go... 
cross it open. They put men. They put women first. They put women don't they? go straight. You first. have to select. Yeah. You have to go in and select men. So I think that 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 does well, and they sometimes have done events where they'll put the women and men together. So they'll put them doing the same exact event. Granted, they'll scale the women's weights or whatever, but they they're on the same playing field, doing exactly the same reps. And sometimes the women will beat the men, which just is fucking great for women, isn't it? Like if we're seeing yeah, that, yeah, yeah. like the best in the world at this sport of men are getting battered by women, and again, women can attach themselves their identity to that. Right, so I don't know how you want to go about this, yeah. but such is the vast evidence that I have against CrossFit for yeah. crimes against fitness. <laughs> I've actually broken it down into two separate forms of failings. Hit me. I've got internal failings, okay. things that would put people off CrossFit that have got involved in it, and external failings that would put someone looking to get into CrossFit off it, Yeah. So if that makes sense. I think the way this is going to work, Eddie's going to put this to me, I'm either going to agree or disagree, and I'm going to give my reason as to why I do either of those things. Yeah, so it'll be like when a journalist makes an accusation about anyone, you'll have a right to respond. Uh, or you could accept or you could accept Yeah, well, the, the, the well, blame. Look, like, like I said at the start, I'm not a die-hard CrossFit fan. I, I do appreciate that there are failings, so there won't be everything that I, agree with, I disagree with. So should we start with things that would put someone that had been doing CrossFit off? Yeah, because that's, that's where I sit. Yes, right. So let's go. And I should should caveat this. This isn't my work. <laughs> I've stolen this from the internet, which I do a lot of things with. <laughs> uh, it is quite a good article, though. Uh, I won't link it because I can't be bothered. But reason one. Go for it. They think doing random shit is functional. Yeah, so again, it depends where you go. So doing random shit, what do you mean? So we need we need well we need to define what is we need fun- to deconstruct what, that a little what bit. What is functional training? And this is the com- problem. Com- I don't think it's, it's completely dependent on your goal. Well, it's also really dependent on who you ask, because <laughs> everyone has a different fucking right, definition. So, so for an example, if you go to a CrossFit class and you just do a load of fucking med ball throws, mm. but you're not training for anything specific that would involve med ball throwing, is that really that functional? No. 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 I think you're I right. think there's I a confusion between functional training and then doing movements that are kind of like primal. That's what they mean, I think. That it is, isn't so, it? But it's they, hard to articulate. I think what they mean is movements that would be I guess you would see in nature like the squat, yeah, the deadlift. Obviously you wouldn't see them in the way they're done in the gym, but you know what I mean? Like you pick stuff up and you'd fucking sit, but sit like, up out of a chair. How could we term it? They're like natural movements. Yeah, they are primal movements. Yeah, yeah. like the throwing or. But I think there's a. Confi- I think people use off a bar, or whatever. I think people use the term functional when they actually mean primal. Yeah, potentially, and I think you're right. Functional movements are individual, and they just completely depend on what your goal is. It's yeah. not functional if you're training for a marathon to go and <laughs> do Fran, which is a CrossFit workout, which is two minutes long and has loads of thrusters and pull-ups in. Yeah. There's no utility in that, right? Yeah, exactly. But then equally, but the, the example people always jump to is, oh, well, bicep curls aren't functional. But well, they if are you're, if you're trying to grow your arms. Well, if, you're a profession, <laughs> if you're a professional arm wrestler, uh, if you're a professional arm wrestler, they are. Or a bodybuilder. If you're a bodybuilder, exactly. <laughs> so yeah. it's just, it's goal dependent, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely, I agree, 100%. Um, and again, you would, I guess the argument, the counter-argument would be, Nowhere in kind of life would you have to do a really heavy bicep curl, so why would you do it in in the gym in isolation? But I disagree with that. I think 
having strong biceps. Like I, I obviously I've got military programs coming out of my ass, right? Fucking that is have to be a functional human to go into the military. Obviously, I still have bicep curls in my military program because people have got to condition their biceps to loads of fucking pulling. Yeah, so like <laughs> rope, rope climbs like part and parcel of being in the military. Yeah. That is a functional movement because it's, it's accessory required. movement. Yeah, to the functional movement. So that, I think that's where they get it a little bit wrong. And I think, again, that's come almost full circle where now people who've got a little bit more of an idea of strength training, strength and conditioning training have come into the CrossFit world and made, and made now popularised accessory work rather than just, just thinking, let's do a strength and a wad, which is what it often used to be. But it's awkward though, because I guess for professional CrossFit athletes... All of these movements are functional. Yeah, they do. Because they're going to get tested on it at the CrossFit Games. Well, also. <laughs> but, like, to, for your average CrossFitter, a CrossFit box, like, it's not really. You can't really classify it as functional. No, unless they're training for a CrossFit competition. Exactly. Which there might be. But not all of them are. And I would definitely say that the average Joe that walks in a CrossFit gym should not be doing complex overhead squats and all this sort of stuff. You've beaten me to. Number three. <laughs> Straight to three. Which is high volume intensity combined with complex movements will fuck you up. Yeah. So I'll give you an example. You're doing 30 reps of an Olympic lift mm. and then you go straight into heavy deadlifts in, in a CrossFit wad. Right. That'd be a shit wad, but yeah. But you do see it. But yeah, you see what's shit. What's the fucking yeah? What's the point in that? Well, you see shit in every sport. But this, but this you? shit programming comes back to the fact that you can become a CrossFit coach in a weekend. Yes, if does. you basically just pay a grand. Yeah. So I disagree massively with that premise that you can go to a. I, I, having done the course as well, it is fairly extensive, but it is a weekend, and then after that weekend, you could. I don't think it's the case anymore, but definitely when I did the course, you could effectively open a gym should you have the funds. Attract loads of members if you're decent at marketing. You've done a two-day course at this point, right? Having not coached anyone in the real world, you could have loads of members flock in with completely different training backgrounds, completely different training goals, and you would just offload your CrossFit rhetoric onto them because it's all you've got, right? Mm. And that's where people get fucked because they haven't, no one's written programming before. You've had a little lecture on it, right? But a lecture that's pretty shit anyway. You've, no one's really taught Olympic lifting to a group of people, which is nails, by the way. I'll try, trying to teach Olympic lifting properly to one person is hard enough. So after a weekend of coaching, or coaching training, to then try and teach it to multiple people at the same time is also nails. Because in Olympic lifting, you've got so many things throughout chain that can go wrong. Yeah. And so for you to have the eye to look for all these things that are going wrong in someone's lift is, like I say, hard enough with one person, let alone 20 stood in front of you. So yeah, I don't I don't agree with that that, that should be a Well thing. this this is one of my key qualms with CrossFit. The idea that it's not you know, to be a CrossFit coach, it's not a meritocracy. Like you you can theoretically just buy your way in. You can well, I guess you have to do a test, but the fucking the test is But it's a low choice. it's a low barrier, isn't it? It is it's a barrier to entry, but choice. it is a low barrier to entry. Like I say, I've done it, it's essentially you pay eight hundred quid, you which is more now, I think it's a grand now. Yeah. Um you do a weekend of lectures essentially with a few workouts thrown in there a few practicals and then you do a written multiple choice 50 question test that's it done yeah and th this feeds into my concept that CrossFit is a cult 
Yeah. Because cults normally involve some kind of financial exploitation. And a barrier to entry. And a barrier to entry to prove your commitment to the cause. Yeah. So CrossFit, in the same way that Scientology has different levels that you have to unlock yeah. with kind of knowledge, basically money. Yeah. Cross it's CrossFit. So that CrossFit's got four coaching badges, right? Yeah. And they all cost a grand. Basically. So you need like five grand to yeah. be a and then how all singing, how, all dancing CrossFit coach. However much it costs to franchise a CrossFit box. Three K. A year. You do have, to be fair, for the opposite side of that argument, you know, the level one is like a a gateway. Like that is your basic, even like members at the gym will do that just to get a better understanding for movements and stuff. And the the level two does require you to have done, six, I think it's six months of group coaching before you go to that course. So you do have to have some sort of level of coaching before you get to that. Mm. I guess the same way that you can get kind of like sham PT qualifications. Yeah, exactly. The whole fitness industry is fucked, isn't it? It's not just CrossFit. Yeah, true. Like there are loads of like non-accredited PT qualifications out there that you can just get in a weekend. Even the accredited ones are shit. Yeah. Like the one we did, it's not great, is it? Like it's longer, but that doesn't necessarily cover much more ground. It's certainly more comprehensive than a weekend at a CrossFit one. Yeah. But it's not the same as doing like an A level or a bachelor's degree. It's like no it's nowhere way. near having like a sports science degree. No, and look, I think from my for what it's worth, from my opinion, the best thing you can do to be a good coach is coach. Yeah. So whatever it takes to get you in the door first, you need to do the first thousand hours of coaching or whatever to then be able to solve people's problems effectively. Yes, you need a base of knowledge, but outside of that is experience. Right, so my next criticism feeds into your programming point. Uh, constantly changing everything too often is not a unique selling point. Yeah, agreed. They, think, but they market it as a selling point. Yeah, so, it, so you're never again, doing too, many, too much of the same thing, but as we know from good programming, yeah. consistency is key. Consistency is key. I would say, though, that to keep beginners engaged, often I have, and, and people, experienced coaches that I know have, massively changed the programming far more frequently than they should have or need to just to keep people engaged because a beginner doesn't want to do a squat cycle for 12 weeks because they're like fucking squatting again it's Monday come on can we do something different so that's all I'd say to that I mean yes there is a, a, a balance to strike I think like you do need to do the same movements effectively or the same patterns of movement week in week out to judge your progress but at the same time if we're looking at like general pop and, and what they want and what they need from it they really need adherence to a program and if that comes from changing things a little bit more often than maybe they should then why not mm. I'm not convinced what were you telling me the other day about the new exercises that CrossFit's introduced uh, this year skipping yeah oh that's gaff that's just that's one of many examples that's just shit that, that I don't understand so they chinned off that. double unders now no they're still doing it I think but this is just they're Progression from Fundables. So it's a crisscross, right? Yeah, it's a skip with a cross. It looks yeah, like yeah. you're at, like on a playground. Yeah, it's terrible. So, so you see boxers like pinging them out left, right, and centre. Yeah, you know, doing like a warm up or something. But I just don't see what place it has. What? How is it? How is it beneficial to CrossFit in any way? Well, the idea is coordination. So one of the ten general physical skills which we could get up, but there's no point really. Essentially, there's ten physical skills that you need to be good at to be fit in CrossFit's terms. One of them is coordination. And so I agree, and timing. So coordination and timing when you're skipping, 
are huge. <laughs> Hand-eye coordination if you don't have it and timing if you don't have it, you're not going to be able to skip very well. But the double under accomplishes that. This is what I was just about to say. Like the double so you under, don't need to reinvent the wheel. No, and the double under is quite a sophisticated movement. Yeah, it? It, like it takes a long time to master. I haven't mastered it. Yeah, because the timing's yeah. really hard and the coordination's hard. It's a fine motor skill. So why do you need to overcomplicate it? But there's also so many other th- movements in CrossFit that exemplify the same thing. Like coordination and timing are in are in Olympic lifting. They're in dumbbell movements. They're in they're in kettlebell movements. All these sort of things still have. So you don't need to, like I say, reinvent the wheel and and go back and almost strip the double under back a step to make it look stupid. Anyway, so I said, looking outside, looking in, CrossFit hasn't obviously, you know, got the market share yet. It's not really, really popular where it can start doing mental shit and people don't care. Outside looking into that, it just looks shit. It just looks shit, doesn't it? Yeah. Like. You're looking at like what the fuck are they like? Why are they in a playground? And also, it wasn't actually fair that like, this was a um, uh, open standard. So, like I said before, with the open is that online competition. This crossover was brought in this year for this open. They found athletes that had access to these drag ropes, these heavier ropes, could just fucking easy mate, like no problem because the pace of the rope was right. Mm. People that were using their double under speed rope for the same thing, Baby shit. just shafted. Yeah. So it's shit. So obviously, the athletes who don't need any help anyway, because the athletes have a really like unlevel playing field with general people, which is just shit. Yeah. You shouldn't have equipment being the barrier between being good and being shit or something. Uh, I think we've basically covered that one. Right. Reason five, and this is the last one for the internal reasons. Why is everything kipping? Why have we got to kip everything? This <laughs> is stupid. This, come up. <laughs> this is fucking stupid. Yeah. From someone that does a lot of strength-based training, or like the idea is that I build muscle, yeah, and strength. Yeah, keeping completely gets rid of the eccentric portion of a movement. Yeah, so you you nailed it. They're not trying to build muscle or strength. There you go. So the reason the keeping well, they trying to get really good at fucking moving, basically. So the, the reason the keeping <laughs> there, pull is, up, there is no goal because CrossFit is the goal. No, the keeping pull up is in there because it's a sport. So it should only really be used in a competitive environment. But to get good at it for a sport, you have to practice it. That's the first thing. So if you're saying, we've both got to do 50 pull-ups, how can we do them faster? That's what they're doing. They're just finding a way to do them faster. In order to get better at keeping pull-ups, you do have to do the strict movement. You can't just do the keeping fucking movement and get better at it because, again, you don't build strength. You build kind of efficiency in the movement. So you have to do strict, weighted, banded all this shit to, to get good at that movement in the first place but the goal of the kipping stuff whatever you're looking at whether it's handstand push-ups or um, pull-ups isn't to get stronger it's just to improve at the kipping pull-up are we just going to get injured but it's just like saying it's like any sport it's like saying you know the, the bowler in, in cricket why are you doing that because it fucks your shoulder why would you want to do that so fast because it's going to rip your rotator cuff out well because it makes you better at the sport but what my argument is right Normal pull-ups are safer yeah. and you build muscle and strength. Mm-hmm. Keeping pull-ups don't build muscle or strength and you're more likely to get injured. But then again, they're so not what, trying to build anything. They're trying to compete but, with but each like, other. That's just stupid though. Like, oh, it's a race to 50 pull-ups. Well, they're not, you're not even doing fucking pull-ups. You're just, also, you're just swinging on a bar like a twat. Also, what, they'll, what they've done is make it easy, easily judgeable. So... If me and you say we've got to do thirty strict pull-ups, let's go. 
the kind of room for error in a strict pull-up is weird. It's kind of grey. Like, someone could do strict pull-ups over there and think they're strict, and we'd be like, fucking, what the hell is that? Because their legs are bent behind them or whatever. So there's a lot a lot can go on. What I've said is, all you have to do is straighten your arms and get your head above the bar, chin above the bar, straighten your arms. As long as you do that support, whatever happens in between, doesn't matter. That's what they've said to make it easy to judge. <laughs> this is fucking stupid. But it's just this like any sport. So it's a sport. Stupid. But like, what did you just say, right? So... A strict pull-up, your head's got to go above the bar, you've got to have your feet in line with each other out straight, you've got to have got, hold the hollow position, and you've got to lock out your arms at the bottom. Because, I'll tell you why, you can't then put them into a high-intensity session. This just so, goes back to my past. <laughs> we're going around in circles. No, so, so a high-intensity, high obviously you need to have fucking heart rate jacked up, whatever, it needs to be aerobically taxing. A strict pull-up, if you put it in the middle of a... Say you're doing like 20 cal row, 20 strict pull-ups, and something after it. That 20 strict pull-ups is effectively for your heart and lungs going to be a rest in it. That's what they're trying to avoid. Yeah, when so you're moving at speed, you're going to be fucked. Right, so just accept that pull-ups aren't a great movement for CrossFit. Like, Stop trying to fucking wedge them into your sport. This goes back to them trying to do everything and everything. Not everything suited to everything. Well, yeah, but I mean, they can't really have a fitness sport without pull-ups in. Well, and again, that, that, does that not say all then? And again, they have to do the strict movement in practice to get better at the kipping movement. No good CrossFit coach or CrossFit gym will have you go in and learn the kipping movement first. No good one. Right, so if they're learning strict pull-ups anyway, mm. why don't they just use strict pull-up? I, just, I can't get my head around the idea of the kip. Like gymnasts use like kipping, kipping movement yeah. because they need to. Yeah, you know, so to get up on to get up onto the top of a bar, you need yeah. to kip up to it yeah. because that's then to perform their routine. But like for CrossFit, the idea of kipping is that kipping is the goal. There's no, there's, there's you know, it's not a means to an end. But it the still I- does require endurance. So if I'm like, <laughs> if I do a max set of kipping pull-ups, I might do forty, but then I'm fucked. So there is a physiological limit to that. So like, you can be better than someone else at kipping pull-ups. Yeah, but in the same so way, it still is a meritocracy. If I got two five kilo weight plates in my hand yeah. and I just wave them about like a mentalist for five minutes mm. that requires endurance but it's not safe and there's no purpose to it but keeping pull ups are safe so they're that, not they're, they're not safer than strict pull ups they're not safer than strict pull ups they're just safe I've done thousands of them in my, in my life but yeah so but like um, my shoulders are sound yeah but you're experienced yeah if you're a beginner that's what I said it, no beginner should do yeah, pull-ups. Right, exactly, that's what I mean. So if they're already learning strict pull-ups, just stop there. They've, they've actually done something harder. Yeah, exactly. I just don't see but the point. they're building strength. But I just, I just, stability. I don't see the point. And then point. they can go and do the sport, like anything. <laughs> it's like strength and conditioning <laughs> for a sport. Right, okay. We're going in circles now. Yeah, I dis- kip, disagree kip, on that one. Kipping is fucking stupid. Yeah. Don't do it. I disagree in certain circumstances. Uh. <sighs> Right, we've covered all them now. We own to Marley criticism across <laughs> okay. it. Uh, Greg Glassman. Yeah, he's a helmet. He's a helmet. <laughs> yeah, I'm I glad agree. you've admitted that. So he basically had to give up CrossFit because he's a helmet. Yeah, he tweeted something in him about George Floyd, George Floyd or something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I've got the tweet, but not on me. I've not printed it out. Yeah, it I was. Read it out. I think <laughs> he was trying to allude to the fact that it, his death was like part of a Covid conspiracy or something. I don't know it was it was throwing a lot of shit at the wall basically. I'm not sure what he said, but he essentially got um revolted by all of the CrossFit athletes and all of the CrossFit uh gyms 
So apparently he's supposedly also misogynist as well. You know about this? Yeah, yeah. So like he's kind of came out that worked at CrossFit HQ for a while um, and hadn't had a good dealing with him on a on multiple occasions. So he's not coming out in the best light. Yeah, so he's kind of like apparently bred a sexist culture at like the upper management level level. of CrossFit. Apparently he referred to his legal team as hot lawyer chicks. Yeah, which is the strange because as we said at the start, you know CrossFit has some good female role models. I forgot about this. Apparently, do you know about the Wi-Fi password? No. So like the Wi-Fi password at CrossFit's California office, which is like their main yeah. office, was wet pussy. Fuck off. Yeah. That's hilarious. Like, um, you can't run a serious organisation like what, a frat it's kind house, of like though, a, can you? Yeah, it's kind of like a cowboy organisation anyway. I think he, he yeah. liked that. He liked that ability to ruffle some feathers or to be a little bit controversial or whatever. He always liked that in the media and all that sort of stuff anyway. He does come across as someone that liked kind of being like anti-establishment. Yeah, but that's ultimately his downfall. Like, yeah, yeah. Because when CrossFit becomes a part of the establishment, it can't function. I don't think it it was ever his aim for it to be a part of to be to like every day for it to be some you know part of everyone's life. I think. Well, apparently, they, apparently they didn't have a HR department until two thousand thirteen. Yeah, I can which see is that. fucking mental. <laughs> I can see that it was a small business that that I think just fucking careered out of control. But anyway, he was basically he sold. The business, mm. but he was basically asked to leave politely. Yeah, he I think. stepped down, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, got anything to add to that? I, no, think, I, we're in, I think we're in agreement there. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a bit of a hat, he's isn't he? Number two, gatekeeping slash high barrier to entry. Mm-hmm. We've touched on this already, but I think financially and physically there is a high barrier to entry within CrossFit. Yeah. So in certain circumstances, I'd agree with the physically. I agree with financially. Financially, obviously. So if you want to be a coach. You've got to cough up yeah. money for your coaching badges. Equally, if you, you want, want to go down to your, gym. if you want to go down to your CrossFit box, very few CrossFit boxes offer the opportunity to just basically do your own thing. You've got no. to buy into classes. But you have to do CrossFit, but that's I think not a fault on gyms either. That's a fault on the sort of the the whole. Yeah, yeah. This is a, this is a this is a fault. This is a failing of the business model. Yeah, and I do think, in fact, if you're looking at what you get for your money in a CrossFit gym. I think you get a fairly good deal to be honest, and it is more expensive than a normal gym. Like JD that you go to is twenty pound a month or whatever. Bargain, mate. CrossFit is like seventy pound a month, for example. If you get seventy pound a month, but you get five sessions a week with a coach who's going to tell you what to do and he's going to do all your programming for you, he's going to coach you through all the fucking complex movements, ideally in a, in a good gym. That's worth it to me because it, otherwise it's like a hybrid between paying a PT forty pound a session or paying seventy five pound a month for twenty sessions or whatever. So how does it work? So I've never actually been to a CrossFit box. So yeah. do you pay for individual sessions or do you buy a membership? Buy a membership, typically. You can do either, but more cost-effective. If more cost-effective. Buy a membership. Yeah. Right, so okay. you buy a membership for like, there'd be tiers, so you do maybe three classes a week could be so-and-so amount, five classes a week could be a bit more. Unlimited access would be a bit more. Okay. Open gym would probably be less. So yeah. that's, that's the financial barrier to entry. Physically, I mean, CrossFit is very physically demanding and many of the movements are advanced. So like Olympic weightlifting is not something that you just go and do off the cuff. No, I agree. A counter-argument to this would be, oh, well, you can scale exercises mm-hmm. and do regression exercises. No beginner wants to do that. That's true. Yeah, it's because it just made hit, isn't it? Yeah, it's an ego hit. You're, back, you're working on your own. You need to go back to this sense of community. Everyone else in the class is doing the same thing. You're on like a fucking beginner bar doing a regression yeah. exercise but I guess it depends on your ego because if you're 
expecting to be a, be a beginner and not be the best at it, then that's fine. You should expect to go there and have people who are better than you. That should be a thing that you, you expect. Also, some classes or CrossFit gyms have beginner classes, which is good because you get all the beginners together. Um, the other thing is, yeah, you can scale exercises, but normally the exercises are the same exercise, but you just now drop the load. So if it's a pull-up, we'll have a now-banded pull-up or, or an inverted row. So it's a similar movement. And they're doing the same workout as everyone in the classes maybe doing the same workout. We've just got different levels. For it would take it takes years to master things like Olympic lifts, so Yeah. You'd I'm be, still fucking trying. You'd be in the beginner class for a long time. Yeah, you're not, not looking at mastering things before you get out of the beginner, beginner's class. No, I'm, still, counter, I'm still trying to master the Olympic lifts. I've been doing it for six years. True. My counter argument to it though is if you go to a gym and you do kind of like more conventional bodybuilding style movements, mm. like you don't have to be an expert to do like a bicep curl or a bench press. Yeah, I think there or is even a squat or there. even a squat and a deadlift. I mean, it takes years to master them, but to just get like how many people do you see who go in the gym and do shit squats and shit deadlifts and injure, injure themselves because of that? A lot of them. And I True. think if you go into a CrossFit gym, because you've got a coach there, that wouldn't happen. They're at least going to teach you how to squat and deadlift. At least. If you go into a JD gym having never touched a bar before, no one's stopping you loading 100 kilos and trying to pull it off the floor because you saw it on Instagram. Sure, but that's the own individual's fault. Yeah, so it still happens. But CrossFit encourages like Olympic movements. Yeah, it's a requ- this is what I mean about a high barrier to entry. It's a requirement of the sport. It's a requirement of the sport. But, but like, like just go into it, if sport, someone yeah. of their own free will goes to a gym and decides to try and squat 100 kilos having never squatted before, like commercial gyms not told them to do that they've just done that of their own free will no exactly so well, in like ways, need... CrossFit is safer because you get someone essentially a babysitter to stop them doing that but it's not load them effectively and load them efficiently it is what it isn't because then it's getting kind of people that aren't proficient mm. in Olympic lifting to do high repetitions of those movements with poor form for time but yeah. the time element isn't that just well, it does adds an extra adds element of jeopardy that isn't needed with these high, the, high complex movements. It adds to the competitive element though. Again, trying to keep people engaged and thinking about a programme that's going to encourage adherence, <clears throat> which is the number one thing to getting results. It doesn't matter what the fuck you do, as long as you do it for a long period of time, as we know. Um, for someone who's trying to get go there multiple times and you know wants to stay engaged, having something that's like a, a, a competition... Is, is a good thing for that because it means they can measure again. Am I getting better? Did I beat fucking Dave this time? No, he fucking picked me at the post. Fuck, I need to work harder on this to get better at him. You know? mm. So it's a good thing in that respect. But yeah, I agree that obviously doing heavy Olympic lifts for time with no form is obviously a bad thing. No mm. one disagrees with you. I just think they're trying to do too much. Like, just leave it at, like, the Olympic lifts. Like, that's hard enough that's as it is. Weightlifting. Yeah, well, this is what I mean. They're trying to do too much. Like, they've, they've stolen. Greg Lassman's basically, like... A genius plagiarizer. <laughs> he's just stolen all his favourite bits from other sports. Yeah, no one owns them. And tried to make like a Frankenstein monster. Yeah, well, I again wouldn't say that they do oftentimes really heavy, um, like high percentage Olympic weightlifting work for reps. I would say if you know if you're looking at one rep map again, a good coach needs to be involved. A lot of this is coming down to the on the coach, which it, which it should be. 
But you're putting an awful lot of faith into people that have paid a grand to attend a weekend course. But I've, I've disagreed with that model, haven't I? I think yeah, a good CrossFit coach should be able to, mo- to be able to moderate their class and, and say, you have been here four weeks, don't put 60 kilos on that bar, put the fucking five kilo training place yeah, on. Yeah, true. And this is why it's failing, ultimately, because they've not addressed this. Yeah, I think you're right. It's uh, like communism. There are some In- fantastic CrossFit gyms out there, but there are also some really shit ones. And you know what? The shit ones are the ones you see on Instagram with someone fucking the barbell fucking themselves. Yeah, in theory, it sounds great. Yeah. If it was in theory, I'd love CrossFit, <laughs> but unfortunately, it's rooted in the real world. It doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it works for some people. Right, Say it okay. doesn't work. It does. But oh, just for, not for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> That's like a lot of things. Number three, oh, I think this is the biggest one. Mm. This is the thorn in its side. Well, to external people that don't really know a lot about potentially CrossFit or the fitness industry, performance-enhancing drugs and doping allegations. Yeah. I would again say that they're rife in every sport. They are, but it's this this idea that it goes back to what we were saying earlier about its superstars. Mm. They've put these individuals on a pedestal. Yeah. And CrossFit athletes have repeatedly come out and said numerous times that they don't take anything yeah, and then every now and again, to, to take it. and then every now and again, lo and behold, someone gets done. Yeah, they're always gonna, you're always gonna get someone taking stuff. Like that's just the bigger the prize purse gets, as in the bigger amount of money you can win at the games. The more people that attracts, and then the more people who aren't, the more people who are in the kitty, the more people who aren't willing to put in the honest work and are just thinking, "Fuck it, I'll just cheat." So then, the more people you're gonna catch. So as it gets bigger and bigger, of course you're gonna get more people cheating. I think my issue particularly resonates with the fact that they've been so against it. A lot of athletes... So, like, Matt Fraser was fucking adamant that he'd never taken anything. Most of the competitors have never taken anything. Yeah, and he'd be damned. Imagine if it did come out that he'd taken something. He'd be fucked. His reputation would be shot. He'd be selling no more programmes. But... It, yeah, it probably won't now because he's, he's retired but exactly he's escaped it could he could be that he's natural you never know he could be but he could just be a genetic furry well that's the thing which he so, also is but yeah so so there is that element of like these people are obviously genetic free yeah but even so the amount they're doing is ridiculous but also it just doesn't add thing, up to me the other thing is they, they train more than anyone else and they again optimise every other part of their lifestyle more than anyone else so if anyone's going to be able to do what they can do, it's them. Naturally, you but do, they might not. They might not be. You do always try and see the best in the fitness industry, though. Mm. And again, to take it into other parts of the fitness industry, fucking bodybuilding is rife. Bodybuilding fitness influencers like Mike Thurston and all these people—they're fucking on juice. Like, you know, all of them are, are juiced up to the eyeballs. Yeah. So true. it's everywhere. It's not just CrossFit. I think in, in bodybuilding though, it's kind of it's it's known. Well, yeah. And even they if some athletes come out and deny dirty it, like, shows, don't they? yeah, yeah, people people know it's just it's it's accepted. Practice. Yeah, like that Mike O'Hearn. <laughs> yeah, like fifty two years old. Yeah, absolutely that's what I mean. Um, but I think my issue came from the fact that that CrossFit Games documentary that we watched, you know, where yeah. Ricky Garrard got. Uh, Caught with a literally on, with a vial on camera, fucking nice, nice one, man. And which is playing his coach for that yeah, fucking hat. She is, mate. His brother, uh, who now competes, isn't he? Uh, he always competes. But why isn't he banned as well? Only court taken. Right. Uh, yeah, but so, but then 
So it, it came out that he'd been caught with what had he done? Like some fucking test Serena ball or something like that. Yeah, some shit. Uh but then nice. they interviewed all the athletes. Yeah. And they were like they they fuck it's the it's the self righteousness of it. It's the fucking yeah. first to throw him under the bus, like oh, I'd never do that. You're only saying that because you still haven't got caught. If you don't know that but the, my argument pre- is, my argument is, we kind of fucking do because we know <laughs> that there are so many ways to get around, you know. And if yeah, you're yeah, paying the like best that. coaches and industry professionals, they know all the loopholes anyway. Yeah, you're not. The Soviets did it for fucking decades yeah. at the Olympics. You're not like they're not. The testing isn't amazing. Let's let's face it. It could be a really dirty sport where everyone takes stuff, but they haven't been caught yet. So you can't just true. But it's tar them with the steroid. <laughs> no, it's the it's the poor sportsmanship. It's you know, it's be like big gracious in victory, like instead of just like not commenting or being like, oh yeah, it's not good for the sport. It's the way that they double down on him. Yeah, but that could it could be if they're being genuine because they've they've worked so hard and then this person just come up fucking true. But I'm a cynic, so I don't believe that. Are. I'm not. <laughs> so you get both ends of the coin with this podcast. <laughs> right, so that's number three. Yeah, and if it wasn't already dead in the water already. COVID-19. Right. From a purely practical standpoint of literally gyms couldn't open. Yeah. And like the whole business model of CrossFit is built on the idea that you go to a CrossFit box and work out as a community in groups. Yeah. Is that CrossFit's fault? No, but I'm saying this is what's failing. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because Um, financially for like two years, it couldn't operate properly. Obviously, CrossFit's (laughs) not to blame for COVID. I'm just saying... You're going pure conspiracy. No, I'm just saying that this is why it's failing. (laughs) Um, In the same way that most of the fitness industry took a hit for two years. exactly. And that's true. And the martial arts industry was massively hit because obviously, nine times out of ten, you're grabbing onto fuckers. (laughs) You couldn't do that. Um, but it's the idea that like so much of CrossFit is caught up in this community element yeah you know in the same way that other sports could survive you know people could train at home or whatever and then when Covid came back they'd just return to the sport Mm. like CrossFit lost out on two years of indoctrination basically but they could also train by themselves at home like no yeah I'm not I'm I'm on about CrossFit as a financial entity now oh yeah yeah, but they're obviously going to lose out and they probably they're I don't know, the, the um, company probably didn't lose out too much. I, I imagine the gyms kept paying. Um, but then without the, they're bastards. They, but without the franchises, then like the main head of the snake can't survive. But also, when um, Greg Glassman resigned and, and that tweet thing came out, low, like loads of gyms de-affiliated with CrossFit. Yeah, it's they, it was a so, double whammy because it happened at the same time. Yeah, yeah exactly. So like, you know, they were they were having three thousand pound a month from every all all of these gyms, and they all all just said nope, changed their name, and that's it. Um, so yeah, I think that's obviously going to play into any any business right now. It's fail, failure point, certainly in person business. Well, so they're the failings that I have for CrossFit. Mm. You can add to your own suffering if you want. I have another one. Go on. The introduction of high rocks, and this plays a little bit. Well, this well this feeds into what now. Right, the okay. fall of CrossFit, the rise of High Rock. Yeah, I think I think that's true. So, to your point about its high barrier to entry, so if you look at competing in CrossFit, which at the end of the day, a lot of people who are that way inclined want to compete. They want to put themselves off against other people, right? Mm. In order to do that in CrossFit, you have to learn complex movements. You have to learn overhead squats, toes to bar, chest to bar, like all these movements that you have to learn that take fret, take ages to well, first of all learn and second of all 
get proficient in. What Hyrox have done, by the looks of it, to me, is they've looked at CrossFit and thought, that's great, that. I'm going to take every movement that doesn't take any skill. I'm just bring that into my own event and I'm just going to make people do that. So things like war balls, easy, really. Things like sled push, sled pull, ski erg, rowing. All of those are in Hyrox. And people can now look at Hyrox. If they've got like a semi-athletic background, like you, who you've ran before, you've lifted before, you can throw yourself straight into Hyrox without any care, really, because you don't have to learn how to snatch or how to clean and jerk. Perfect. There you go. So I think CrossFit, for that reason, because Hyrox is on such an incline, I think a lot of the individuals that would have been drawn towards CrossFit are now looking at the two and thinking, actually, Hyrox is probably more my style. Yeah, that's the, exactly the camp that I'm in. Yeah. Because like you said, it's just lowered the bar to entry for so many people. Definitely. So that's sort of like an untapped market that CrossFit basically alienated for its entire existence yeah and also people are, who are really involved in CrossFit are now looking at High Rocks thinking I wonder I'll do on that and then they go into that as well yeah so they're stealing CrossFit and also I think that there's a lot of people in the gym right that train and they train hard mm. but there's never really any end goal sure. you know so they'll still slog they'll do their cardio they'll do their strength stuff but like they're never going to be they're never going to compete like in a powerlifting competition they've got nothing then to they- work towards CrossFit gives them something to work towards. Yeah. Not CrossFit. Well, High, Rock, High Rocks gives them something to work towards. Yeah, it does. Uh, absolutely, because you get these people who, like you say, are interested in just lifting and doing cardio. And you put those things together and put it in an event that's now in three months' time. Now they've got something to work towards. And that, that's brilliant. That's why you're getting such a popularity now with High Rocks. Yeah. And if you don't know what we're on about with High Rocks, it's basically a singular workout that's mega long, eight stations. And in between each station, you've got to run. The stations are, like we said, pretty simple to do. And it goes, scaled options as well. It goes back to what we were saying about like primal movements. Yeah, yeah. They're all basic movement, Or they're variations on movements that most people are capable of doing. Yeah, as long as you can squat and run, pretty much, that's it. And jump. Yeah, that's true. Um, so, yeah, I mean, even again, if you're thinking, oh, I like the look of Hyrox, but it's a bit too much for me. It's a little bit too, too much of an, a beast to handle first time. You can go and do a pairs one, which I think is really good. They hit a pairs market. So you can go and do it with your pal. And you can share all the work. So you can go, I'm going to go do high rocks, but I'm not going to go the full th- full whack. I'm now just going to do 500 metres of the row rather than 1,000 metres. And you can temper it that way. And you yeah. can sort of build your way into high rocks. Uh, and it, and it, talking about progression, there's again that objective progression of, of performance now. You can look at your splits in a high rocks meet and be like, I'm going to take a couple of seconds off my run this time or whatever it is, you know. Yeah. So it's really good in that respect. I feel like it's probably, it's easy to measure progress with High Rocks as well because it's yeah. a time. Yeah, yeah, true. The only thing, like, you're just trying to lessen Get your faster. time. Yeah, that's it. It's just um, easier. And and it's quite interesting, again, because you can look at, there's eight disciplines. So you could look at your time and be like, okay, my run was sound, all this was sweet, my row was the thing I dropped time on. So then you can go into a, a six-week rowing cycle and then you get better. Yeah, I think it's uh, yeah, like you said. I think it's easier for like an amateur or like a non-coach to break down oh, where yeah. they need to work on. Yeah, because even it I, ma- it's at- kind of, it's like foolproof CrossFit. Basically. Yeah, even I look at my ability at CrossFit, and I'm a bit like, what you know, where do yeah. I focus here? It's kind of it's smoke and mirrors, isn't it? Like yeah. you think you need to work on one thing, but actually it could be something else. Yeah, and there's so much to do. Like I've for ages been chasing chasing my tail essentially. Um, with I need to be good at lifting I also need to be good at aerobically I need to be good at gymnastics and 
trying to do all these things at once, which is obviously what CrossFit's about. It requires you though to train so much because it just requires you to put in so much volume yeah. to get better at all these things. And that's where the hyper hobbyist comes in. Go on. So this is the hyper hobbyist of CrossFit is like the people who are where I was essentially like a year or two or two ago, where you think, you know, with a bit of extra work you get to that next level. You think you're just just below like the regionals competitors, just below them. Yeah. And you think, right, I'm gonna dedicate fucking whatever. And I think they're the people who don't necessarily have bang on form because they've thrown themselves in. They may be like a little bit athletic back in the day and then they're gonna just, just try it. Um they're also they they're gonna put flag them absolutely frag themselves because they need to to get wherever they're trying to go. They're gonna, you know, spend hours and hours in the gym every time. They're gonna dedicate whatever it is, money or time, energy to this sport, which again is just eating them up. Like they're not getting anything from it. No. Like you can't really make any money or or get any get anywhere at the grassroots level of CrossFit until you get to the games, which is obviously like one in eighty. Yeah, but at that point, 000. at that point, you're already a professional athlete. Yeah, in some respects, some the people who are placing like fortieth at the games, which by the way are insane athletes, they're not making anything. Well, that's just that's another failing of the CrossFit mm. business. Oh, but if it can't sustain like that level of competitor financially, no, they don't. Then it's not viable, is it? A lot of times they had people travelling to their event, paying for their own travel, like paying for their own that's accommodation. Stupid. You want like, you want to look after your own sports stars yeah they don't, they don't. and <laughs> apart from I think really recently where they dropped the price purse and sort of disseminated it a little bit a little bit more equally for a, for a long time because it was a growing business with a, a tight price but a tight money pot so a lot of time it was just one two and three you got money and the rest of them fuck you um, you're left to try and sweep up sponsors if possible but then again because <clears throat> those athletes if you're placing like top 50 in the world you're putting a fucking hell of a lot of graft in there. So you probably can't have a job. And if you have a job and trying to manage your CrossFit volume, you're probably going to burn out in a year. So you probably have to leave your job, commit everything you've got to this goal. And if you don't make it top 10, you're not getting paid. <laughs> it's That's fucking it. gash. That's the sign of like a failing sport in my Yeah, in and I think it, part of it is because CrossFit was so small in grand scheme of mm. things, so they didn't really have the resource. But it is a reason as to why they're probably failing. Yeah. Right, well, I've covered all my points. Have I think you've got anything else to add? No, I think I went that's in it. too hard. No, reflection. No. I envisioned it going a lot worse. <laughs> uh, that was me being measured, by the way. So. Yeah, this yeah, this is Eddie being being nice. Um but no, I think like like we've said, I think it's it's a it's a good thing to people for people to get into. And like we covered at the start of the episode, like there is massive benefits to it in the industry as a as a thing, but I think and, uh, it is failing. And I just want, I just <laughs> want to clarify: when I say failing, I don't mean it's in the gutter. I mean like I just think as a sport, from what I can see at the moment, it's peaked. Yeah, it's I, not to say that it's still not popular and that people shouldn't do it, but like I just don't think it's going to hit the heights that it did pre-COVID. Like no, me, like I don't think so. And also early twenty tens. I just say twenty tens. This is like. This year in the open was like post COVID, like they're getting back into it, right? There's new management, new ownership, whatever. So the big stage that everyone sees, the open, everyone sees the live announcements of these workouts. What they are is like they'll announce a workout and two of the athletes that, that everyone heard of will go at it straight away. So they did this. In the first open workout, 
they misloaded the women's bar. So they're trying to set the standard, right? So you know, you're know, you saying to a community of people who've now got to do this workout remotely, online, and hold mm. the standard. So these gyms and people individually have got to go and hold, they've got to go and be honest with themselves, load the right weight, hold the correct movement standards. On the actual live announcement, they put 38 kilos rather than 40 kilos or something on the women's bar. And so those two women who went hell for leather and smashed the workout, they were then, they had to go and do it again because they fucking misloaded the bar. And then, second week comes, you think they can't fuck it up again. Oh, they can. Um, so they had like a workout and then it followed with a um, max thruster, so squatting to press. And the thruster has to be hips and knees locked out and you're just pressing the bar from the squat. Obviously, you can't re-dip the knees to get underneath it and help yourself out. Um, on the on the footage, you can see one of the athletes pretty much re-dipped his knees and got underneath it. So again, they're not holding the same standard and they let that rep count. So two, two times out of three, basically, they didn't hold the fucking standard, which they were trying to put out to the rest of the world to then be like, this is the gold standard. Do what we've done and you'll be sweet. This happened at its peak, though. In that documentary that we watched from 2017, Yeah. What was that event? The the sledgehammer event. What was it called? Oh yeah, like banger or something. Yeah, some assault banger. So you basically got to hit a metal bar along a chute with a sledgehammer, with the idea being that you're hitting it with a sledgehammer, not dragging. Yeah. Not dragging it with the hammer. Yeah, you're only moving it with the, the force of the sledgehammer on the on the thing on the end of the thing. Yeah, we haven't articulated that perfectly, but just imagine that there's a bar in between your legs and you've got to hit it through your legs with a sledgehammer. Yeah. What basically transpired is the person that won the event was kind of hitting it with the sledgehammer, but then kind of conveniently also combining it into a bit of a drag. Yeah, so they'd park themselves behind where they were supposed to be, and they were getting more leverage by hitting on top of the top of the block and just dragging it back. So obviously at every hit, they were getting like, They're gaining you know, the like f- six inches yeah. on everyone else. So that was shit as well, yeah. Uh, and that was at the actual World Championships. That, yeah, that was at the World Champ, not just the Open. Yeah. That was at the CrossFit Games. Uh, so yeah I think that wraps up CrossFit yeah I agree we should end with some positivity now yeah, gives me a chance to redeem to gives me a chance to redeem myself you need it do you want to do the first one because you're not aware of the second one are you yeah I'll let you do I'll let you do both right okay so first one feeds into what we were saying about uh, junk food advertising yeah. in the obesity episode the Premier League this week came out and announced that there will be a ban on gambling advertisements on the front of shirts from the 25-26 season. So we called this. We called this. <laughs> we foreshadowed this a few weeks ago. Yeah. So we can only hope now... Next time. That next time fast food will be next. I think so. Yeah, so it's only a matter of time before Mackies can no longer sponsor football teams. It will be interesting to see if fast food companies do fill the void left by gambling companies and I'm not actually sure if they've already been banned from sponsoring the front of football shirts because you don't see many no I wonder why that is you used to see them sponsor England so maybe they have been banned yeah potentially but then that begs the question if they're not allowed to advertise on the front of football shirts why can they still advertise literally everywhere else in society <laughs> it's true you can, you can only win a couple of times can't you you can't yeah. win everything but well, that's, a, that's a reason to be cheerful anyway not least because Gambling sponsorships on shirts look shit. That's true. They do look. They terrible. look shit. So like obviously like alcohol advertisements on shirts, like 
that rightfully that is banned because yeah, it promotes yeah. it kind of glorifies and, and, and smoking glorifies and romanticizes drinking and smoking yeah. but you can't tell me that the Carlsberg sponsorship on the Liverpool shirt <laughs> didn't look sick iconic though isn't it? iconic Absolutely. yeah so I mean it's a good thing that ba- that fucking betting's banned ban- yeah because it, it? Sh- it looks betting crash. ruins lives anyway like, yeah. I don't really like, I flutter occasionally but I just don't get on board with this idea that like betting is good you just don't get anything from it. No, it doesn't provide. Isn't obviously the betting companies are the ones that win, aren't they? Yeah, because they wouldn't be a, a viable business otherwise. So that and the fact that they look gash uh, is a reason to be cheerful. There you go. So uh, they're no, they're no more by twenty five, twenty six. And secondly, I'll have to go into my photos for this one. So okay. a screenshot of it. This is a good one. Right? Are you aware that a man in Scotland? has become a firefighter at the age of 56. No, I'm not. Yeah, this is mental, right. So a former Royal Air Force engineer has said age is not a barrier after becoming a firefighter at 56. That's awesome. Michael Rimmer, shout out Michael Rimmer, completed 12 weeks of Scottish Fire and Rescue Service training after a 31-year career in the RAF. What a legend. He just can't stop, can he? That's mad. Firstly, right, he's got a fucking pension. Burning, yeah, burning a hole in his fucking bank account. Yeah, he's sorted and he for like he, 31 years but, in the RAF. Yeah, not content with retirement from the RAF. Yeah. He's now saving people from fucking house fires. Class. Yeah, I mean, that's awesome. Um, and 56, don't ever tell me that you're too old to do anything. I always get the questions, am I too old to start PTing or something? I'm, Man, I'm you've 35. Got, you've got to be in good nick to be a firefighter. Yeah, you have. He must like, be. it's not, that's not... Well, he's in the RF when he for ages. He probably keeps. Shoot, he was an engineer, but like he's obviously like a bit of a bit of a fitness nausea. Yeah, but I mean, you have time and stuff to yeah, allocate yeah, yeah. to fizz in the rough there. Well, like, that's cla- I thought. Yeah, that's that awesome. is sick. Like as, as you said, like there is no excuse. Yeah, for anyone to not. You know, people that say that they're too old to start running because they're thirty. Yeah, fuck off. Join the fire service at fifty six. <laughs> yeah, wait twenty six years. And then join the fire service. Yeah, most people like setting their ways, content by that age. Certainly, if you've done a thirty-one year stint in something else. But does this just not exemplify what we always try and hammer home about? Build that level of fitness. You know, build your body at a young age. Yeah. And then maintain it. Exactly. He's he's obviously kept it up his entire life. Clearly, because he wouldn't have been able to at fifty six go from a slob to the ability to pass the fire service test there's no way exactly unless you follow my programs obviously but I mean never know <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah Michael Rimmer what a play. hero yeah what a legend sitting the gold standard that's it so yeah like we said the ability to get yourself into shape at the, at the later age is fucking nails so either way whatever he's done if he's kept it up for 50 years or if he's got into shape after being 50 plus that's equally as impressive whichever way you look at it you yeah. know give him the kudos that's it but yeah, I think that's it for this episode. That's all. Next week will be the marathon special. Oh yeah. We may be donning different outfits. Yeah, stay different for outfits that. at play. To, uh, so be excited for that one. Yeah, so London Marathon is this Sunday. Or next Sunday, it's Saturday today. So yeah, yeah, next Sunday, so in seven days essentially we'll be running the London Marathon. So next week will be the marathon special. Where we'll give you the insights to all of the escapades that got on during training. Yeah. The run itself. And then the send following yeah. the marathon, which I'm some, most excited for. There might be some snaggy, snaggy dits. Yeah, there <laughs> might, be, might be a few loose dits there. That remains to be seen. But yeah, that's it. Job done. Thanks for listening. See you in See a bit. See you next time.